Hello there. Going through a divorce? Considering one? Sorry to hear that. But here you are. Welcome to Splitsville. You'll find Splitsville to be a pretty unique place. A new world, really, with its own rules, its own expectations, and in many ways, its own language. But don't worry. You have a knowledgeable guide along the way. A family law attorney with three decades of experience under her belt. And now, here she is. Your host and guide, Lee Sellers. Hi, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of Welcome to Splitsville. I'm your host and guide, Lee Sellers, founder of Touchstone Family Law. And in this episode, I'll be answering another question that many newcomers to Splitsville have. Top five mistakes divorcing parents make. So let's dive in. Well, today we're here with Trey Ishi, who is with Southeast Psych, and we are really happy to have him. I met him years ago when the concept of having therapists work with high-conflict divorcing parents was starting to become something that we attorneys learned about, that there was this special tool that we might be able to offer our clients that might assist them in continuing to both be meaningfully involved um, in children's lives. And that's actually how I, I met Trey and have just continued to follow the work that he and Southeast Psych have done ever since becoming introduced. So I'm really excited that you uh, made time to come come speak with us today. But why don't you tell listeners that might not be so familiar about you what your background is and what it is that you're doing. I'm a clinical psychologist. I work with kids and families, social and emotional difficulties, academic problems, learning cognition, ADHD, that sort of thing. So I do a lot of lot of work with a lot of different problems and struggles and kids. Well, and I want to give you an opportunity to tell everybody a little bit about Southeast Psych because I'm a big fan of the uh, philosophy of Southeast Psych. And so why don't you go ahead and, and just speak to that a bit? It's, it's just the coolest place in the world. Everyone should want to go there. <laughs> Everyone should want to work there. It's a, a, a different kind of psychology practice, pretty modern, pretty innovative. We embrace a lot of pop culture and always looking for our inner superheroes and, and, and that sort of thing. It's serious work because it's serious work, but we try our best to make it as fun as it can be. When people come to us, they, they, you know, they, they come to us because they're having difficult time, but, but we really try to bring out the, the, the best part of, of people and ourselves and try not to take our very serious work too seriously. And it's just a very welcoming environment. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think anybody who has apprehension about seeing psychologists and, and specialists in this area would be very comfortable. Um, you guys have created a great environment on top of having top-notch people, but I, th- I think that that emotional barrier for people that maybe didn't grow up having an opportunity to see therapists or don't really know exactly what it is, it helps. Yeah, so, yeah, it, it's, nice it's, it's very approachable. I, I knew we were getting it right when some of my high school kids were coming to their appointments, you know, 45 minutes to an hour early to hang out mm-hmm. before their appointment. When I walked in and saw one of my kids, and I said, you know, your appointment's not for a bit. And he said, yeah, I'm just here to hang out. Yeah. I thought, okay, we, we cracked the code. You had something. Yeah. Well, if you start with the premise of being um, sort of maybe positive about it or overly optimistic, but if you start with the, the premise that most parents who are going through a divorce want their children 
to do well and want to take care of their children and want to impact their children as little as possible. It's still amazing just how easy it is to just completely do the opposite, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And and, and it's tough to talk about you know, a good version of this. And when, when I talk to parents and we're talking about the outcome, and, and, and that's a big thing that I talk a lot about is let's take the long view on this. Because there's going to be graduations, there's going to be babies born, there's going to be weddings and, and all of that stuff in the future. So there is no good version of this. We And, and it's... It, it's not not being positive to say there's just better versions of bad, right? Because this is not the way this was mm-hmm. supposed to go. And that the goal is you think long term, you think down the road. What you want to happen is your son, he's in college and he meets the girl. And he says, she asks him about his, his life. And he says, oh, yeah, then there was my, when my parents got divorced. And she says, how was that? And he says, eh, it was okay. It's never going to be, oh, it was great. Exactly. Let's do that again. Um, Best time of my life. Right. <laughs> but but just to have it just be a, eh, that's the goal. And, and and I know that's not, doesn't seem positive, but it's not negative either. That we just want this to be fair, as neutral, as close to neutral as possible, and just to be a thing that happened. And we put things in a box in life, and I'm going to get back to this in, in a bit, that we have things... A big thing we talk about with the kids that we work with in all different ways is fast forward and look back. What is your child going to see when he looks back on his childhood as an adult, 20, 30, 40, something? And, and, and we, for all of us, our personal histories, we have these things in boxes, right? There's, there's when we moved. There's my first day of high school. There's when I broke my arm. You know, I, I distinctly remember breaking my arm when I was a kid. I don't remember what happened the day before, and I don't remember what happened the day after, and, and or the days in between the, the next thing that I put in a box. But I, I really very clearly remember breaking my arm. And this is going to be a thing that's going to be in a box, whether you want it to or not. So we, we, we spend a lot of time just chewing on that. Just let's take that seriously, and because it's, it's inevitable and it's, it's your responsibility right now, because you can dictate what this is going to look like when they look back on it. So I'll get back to that in a second. Well, and it's tough because mistakes are always made in parenting. We all wonder, you know, what we could have done differently or, or what we could have done better. We, we all self-evaluate as parents. I think it just comes with the territory for most parents that, that you're fairly critical of yourself as you're going through this process. And what's interesting in working with parents through the divorce process is, you know, it really doesn't matter how in tune or committed somebody is to trying to do it, quote unquote, right, mistakes are just going to happen, no matter how well intentioned um, the parents are, because it's life. And it's really no different than parenting your child through any other crisis, except for, you know, the difference may be that you're going through a crisis at the same time yourself. And it just makes it even harder to support somebody else when you need it. Keep your own head clear. So that's a really nice segue into my the, the the first mistake that I, I wanted to talk about, you said mistakes are made by well-intended people. And the first one I'd like to talk about is um, what I call divided loyalties. And that's when very, and this is usually often, maybe even usually, not intended as a mistake. It, it, these, these, this is a well-intended mistake. But the, the idea is that there are times when parents put a child in a place where they have to be loyal or disloyal to another parent. And, and the most simple example of that would be, where do you want to be on your birthday? Mm-hmm. 
or where do you want to be Christmas morning? And I understand. I get it. I mean, parents, they say, well, look, he's had so many things out of his control. This was you know, not what he wanted. She didn't want you know, this to happen. And, and, and our children just feel like their whole lives are out of control. Let's give them as many opportunities as they can to have some control and some say in things. And I get that's lovely. But you're, you are mistakenly putting that child in a position that they have to say, Christmas morning, where do you want to be Christmas morning? Mm-hmm. Well, now I, have, I, I either have to pick mom or I have to pick dad. I can't be in two places on Christmas morning. Mm-hmm. So who am I going to pick? And, and, and that's being, um, you know, now I've got to make a choice over saying, you know, you know not choosing one. Choosing one is one thing, but that means not choosing one. And it just puts them in a bind. And then there's often an emotional reaction to that. And the parents, well, why are you being so difficult? I just asked you a simple question. Correct. And they can't see through that, that, oh, my gosh, you've put me in this place where I have it's to choose one parent over the mm-hmm. other. And it really is very well intended most of the time. They don't see that they're doing this. So I am a big fan of you know, those sorts of things. Those decisions get made for them. Right. I mean, right up through like 17. I wouldn't even ask a 16-year-old to pick which parent they're going to be with on Christmas morning. Let's just go ahead and make those decisions for them. And, and, and the, the, the grown-ups need to decide that. And, and you make those decisions as, as neutrally as you can. You know, it's based on a schedule. It's based on some kind of logic. That has nothing to do with, you know, values of anybody picking anybody over anybody. But I see that happen a lot. And, and, and people have, they're just they're completely unaware of the bad position they're putting their kids in. Well, and I know from my perspective, I see it even go further where they come in and tell me that they asked the child where they wanted to live oh. or what <laughs> schedule they wanted. I mean, right. it's not, you know, limited to Christmas morning. It's mm-hmm. just like, well, where do you want to live? Right. And that's one of the places roles that I can play at times is I can ask those questions, mm-hmm. right? And I can say, you tell me what you want, and then I'll work this out with your parents. And, and sometimes I'm, 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 I'm saying to the, the kid, no one's going to know what you told me. Mm-hmm. This is just a discussion that you and I have. And then I go and I make my suggestions and recommendations. But if you want to be with mom more than dad, go ahead and tell me. I, you don't need to tell them that. And and, and then I'll work with, with the parents. And, and I don't always... Now, I will often not disclose that to the parents mm-hmm. exactly what the child said. You know, I'll, I'll nuance it and I'll you know, work with it. But but I am trying to honor the child's wishes, but but without putting them in that position. Yeah. And I know sometimes, and you can correct me and I'll stop saying it, but if a parent comes in and tells me my child said they wanted 50-50, that they want to be with mom and dad equally, I know I'll often respond, well, that could be an honest answer and they could sincerely feel that way. But it's also possible that that's a very diplomatic way to say, please, dear God, do not put me in the middle of this. I'm not going to choose between the two of you. And I said, I really don't know whether it's true or not. And and frankly, that's not going to be the inquiry because Mm -hmm. the code doesn't say, let's ask the child where they want to be. Right. But correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't that somehow just a way of saying, I'm not going to pick? I think for a lot of kids, yeah. I mean, that, certainly there, there's some, some portion of kids that that's sincere mm-hmm. and that they just, they, they want to see each parent. But yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right that there's there's going to be a goodly portion of those statements that is just a, I just, yeah, just leave me out mm-hmm. of it. I'm just going to be Switzerland on this and I don't, I don't want to be asked to, to make any of those kind of hard choices. Mm-hmm. People will come in and ask me sometimes, at what age does a child get to choose? And of course, they're asking me legally, and I can give them the legal answer. But really, is there an an age where you think that is an appropriate inquiry to seek their input? Developmentally, I guess, would be done. I think any age. I don't, I can't think of a bottom, 
you know, I mean, mm-hmm. I think kids, if they're verbal and, and, and relational and logical, can articulate that. I can't think of, it, of an age that I would, that I, in my work, would back mm-hmm. away from that question. I'm willing to hear the kid at, at whatever age, and I am surprised, pleasantly surprised, at the very mature decisions that kids make or, or the, the, the very mature requests that they mm-hmm. make, how frequently a teen who, who is at that age of, mm-hmm. of being able to make some decisions for him or herself will choose the more stable parent, will mm-hmm. choose the, you know, the, the responsible parent over the play parent. Mm-hmm. They just have a really good sense of what's best for them. And, and a, a lot of times, you know, you, you, they, they get to that age and, and, and they're asked that question and, then, and they will then choose the, the responsible parent. Mm-hmm. I had one, 16-year-old who chose the fun parent. And about six months later, he called his dad and he said, I think I need to come back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm having too much fun. Yeah, it, it's tough. But it does put them in a really bad place when it's the parent asking the question. Mm-hmm. I guess it's one thing to speak to a trusted counselor um, and really lay it out there and know that there's no ramifications for, for speaking your mind. But it, it does make it tough if the parents ask. Mm-hmm. Well, what are some other things that, that you feel parents that care should know to uh-huh. steer clear of? So my next one is I have a lot of parents in, in the divorcing process who spend a lot of time assuming the intent of the other's behavior. And it's just a mess. It mm-hmm. just doesn't go well. And, and you, you've heard it m- way more than I have. You know, he did this because, and then off they go into the because mm-hmm. without having spoken with the other person at all. And it's hard enough to, to understand the, the intent of someone's behavior when you're living together. But then you've got all these, this distance between you and people between you. And when you start making assumptions of why somebody did what they did, and then you start acting on the assumption as if it's true in, in most likelihood it's not true mm-hmm. well then whatever you do following from that is is, is ill-guided mm-hmm. so and, and i don't know if that's an oversimplified term but not assuming the intent of the other parent's behavior and when i have parents in my office and they start down that path i i put the brakes on it's okay wait, wait 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 we're not we're not doing that here's what he did and we don't need to worry about why mm-hmm. he did it or what he meant by that or what he's trying, how he's trying to affect your life and mm-hmm. in some kind of way. So it sort of is like trying to give them the benefit of the doubt or at least try to ascribe no motive at all. Right. Is more successful. Yeah. Just, just, just don't go down that rabbit hole. Just do not think about why somebody did what they did. It's it just, is what it is. It is what it is. What else do you see that you think bears pointing out? I hear a lot of parents who talk about wanting to decrease communication, and I understand that. And I've had multiple times I've had parents say, my therapist is saying I should communicate with him less, to which I will say, I bet your therapist is right that that's what's best for you. But what's best for this situation and what's best for your children is for you to communicate more. And I know that's really difficult and really painful, but you have to be clear about what you're communicating with, and this is this will go into my, my, my next point, but that idea that, that communicating less is is the right thing is, is usually the wrong thing. You need to communicate a lot because you need to, and, and let your children know that you're communicating because that lack of communication opens the door to 
you know, kids getting slippery sometimes and, you know, finding the cracks. And you'd be almost be disappointed with them if they didn't. Oh, yeah. And, and so having your children have the sense that you are communicating a lot, even, I mean, I would prefer that your children have the sense that you're communicating more than you are. So being very public about your communication, I'm calling your father. I just talked to your mother. Well, let's, you know, I'll call your dad and check on that and letting them know that you're communicating, um, I think is really important. And I, I completely understand the, 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 the wanting to draw back from communication, but it, it really is, is important to communicate a lot. One way that you can accomplish that is to have a, a, a format and, you know, a time during the week when you're going to c- communicate so that you can, when the thing comes up, you know, that your, your child says, mom fed me ice cream for breakfast, right? And you want to pick up the phone right away and, you know, why are you, you know, why are you eating my ice cream for breakfast? That you, you get to put that in your back pocket and say, okay, that's something that I want to talk with him on Friday and whenever it is your regular meeting time. Saturday morning at Starbucks, where, wherever it is, but having a consistent opportunity where you can make your list and say, okay, here's, here's what she told me. Here's what, what, what he said. Is this true? What should we do about these schedules? I mean, that's a great time to go over schedules mm-hmm. and, and that sort of thing. And just so that you know that you have this opportunity and you don't have to feel you know, desperate or excited in a moment you know, on Tuesday, I've got to get this resolved right now. Mm-hmm. This will wait until Saturday and we'll get this figured out on Saturday. And you can also communicate that to your kids. Remember, dad and I are going to meet on Saturday and talk mm-hmm. about things. So make sure that you're telling me, you know, the, the truth about this lacrosse stick or whatever mm-hmm. it is. So having regular communication as well as upping the volume of commun- communication and not just retreating away from communication. I, I do like communicating better by phone because, you know, the, the email stuff can just, we all know this, can be particularly when when the temperature is what it is mm-hmm. between these two people. Every email is read in this hostile, <laughs> mm-hmm. antagonized way uh, when, when that may not have been the intent at all of the communication. So it, it's even more important when, when things are hot to, to be communicating verbally so that you can hear what the other person's saying more mm, accurately. The context. Yeah. Yeah, I always say humor and sarcasm do not convey well. <laughs> right. And, right. you know, they're just going, well, I was just being funny. And I'm like, well, yep. you know, I can't hear you laughing on this one. So right. it's hard to go. What are some of the, because I think that is great advice. And and I know lots of us that, that work with parents who are divorcing would say, look, just it's not about agreeing. It's not about um, trying to reach a joint decision even. It's just literally a stream of communication. Just right. keep letting them know what's happening at your house and and listen to what's, you know, without judgment, what's going on there so that you can keep the communication open. But for people that find it resistant or don't even understand the importance, can you give some examples of what ends up happening for the child when the parents are not communicating, when there literally is nothing and they're only depending, you know, the child just goes into this black hole when they go to the other house. And it's just um, that cone of silence. What kind of impact does that have on the kids? Well, it has a lot of impact on their functioning. I don't think that has that much impact when, when parents aren't communicating on them emotionally. But I think it has a lot of impact on them on, on their functional level, their academics, even like their social functioning. Because if parents aren't communicating, then... 
you know, something is happening in mom's neighborhood when I'm at dad's house and I, you know, I can't be a part of it. And mm-hmm. because we're not, or my activities outside of school are, 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 are being affected because mom and dad aren't communicating and dad's not taking me to the things that mom signed me up for um, because he doesn't even know about them. And so I, I think when, when parents aren't communicating like that, it hits a, a kid at a functional level or at a behavioral level. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's just, you're just opening the door for misbehavior and manipulation and and, and, and all of that. So I don't think that's one of the things that, that hurts them at, at the emotional level or the relationship level. But functionally, behaviorally, that's that's the, the, the problem with not communicating. And it can put more of a burden on them, can it? Because then they sure. have to be responsible for what's going on in their lives in both houses. They can't really trust anybody to pick up the slack. Right. If the parents aren't telling the other one, then it really puts more of a burden on them. Right. Well, I think that, you know, it's something we certainly encourage. I wish more parents would do it. Yeah, yeah. What else would be something that you would like to... So my next one would be what I see parents not doing well is redefining their relationship. You know, when, 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 when you get divorced, the other parent's social life is not no longer your responsibility, their financial life is no, no longer your responsibility, their domestic life is no longer your responsibility, their work life is no longer your responsibility. But I see parents staying in those parts of the relationships with each other. Your relationship needs to be you know, distilled down to one thing. We are co-parents, right? In every other, and it's the weirdest relationship you ever have, right? Because in every other relationship that you had in your whole life, when it didn't go well, you just walked away. Mm-hmm. You know, here's your Bon Jovi records and see you later. But you don't get to walk away from this one. You're stuck as parents of children for the rest of your lives. And and and, and you're stuck together that way. But that's all you are, 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 are parents. And, and, and the other parents, life is no longer your responsibility. And it just, this is where it does, when, when, when parents don't do this well, and they're, they're getting into each other's business and complaining or being critical um, I think that's that where it does affect the kid emotionally to see their parents being hostile, and it's also confusing. Because I've had the kids is mm-hmm. amazing just how, how many times I've had kids say the sensible thing, have a, a kid walk into my office and say, "My dad is is saying so many things about my mother's social life. Mm-hmm. Why is he talking about my mother's social life? Why number one, why does he care? But why would he comment on my mother's social life? Or you know, and and it's." I, I think that's where, where there's just kind of that emotional turmoil starts showing up for kids when, when their parents just have not figured out what, what is our relationship anymore. Mm-hmm. And I know that's confusing, and I know it's, it's, it's you know, mind-blowing, particularly if they've been married for a long time, but it really has to be done. And it has to be done very, very clearly and very purposefully, and there ne- need to be boundaries. I had a mom recently who found out that her soon-to-be ex-husband had, had fallen had gotten really, really sick. And she's, you know, very much nurturing a caregiver. Now, he was not allowed to come into her home, but she then made him soup and did all, you know, all this lovely stuff and brought it to his house. Uh-huh. Well, that's a boundary. No, this uh-huh. is, his, his health and well-being is not your responsibility. I mean, if he's lying out in the street and, you know, bleeding from the head, I mean, I get that, right? But but he, he just had the flu. Uh-huh. And, and I get that that was very well intended, but she had this really strong boundary about you can't come into my house. Well, you just let yourself into his. Uh-huh. And, and when you, that's the problem with the boundaries. When, when it breaks down in, in, in one direction, well, then it's wide open for the other. So she had not really come to the full 
understanding of what her relationship with him was. And, and I hate it that he's sick, but that is not your responsibility. And yeah, and the children need for the parents to redefine their relationship and to know what it is because right. it's not something they want to be bothered with. Right. They right. don't want to have to navigate that. It's confusing mm-hmm. enough. They just want to focus on their relationship with the other parent. Right. Uh, I had a, a child, I was a guardian ad litem for one time, and it was like, you know, they were just complaining that their parents still always talked about each other. And they're like, I just want them to talk to me. <laughs> I, I, you know, maybe they should just get together and do visitation instead of me because I'm tired of every time I go over there, I got to listen to, you know, stuff about mom. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm here, I've got to listen to stuff about that. You know, they, well, that, that, that's a perfect segue into my number one mistake that divorcing parents make. So that would be. Ding, 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 ding. Speaking poorly about the other parent. It is just such a huge mistake. Mm-hmm. I don't care who you are. If you're talking bad about my mom, you're just a dude talking bad about my mom. And and, and you know, on some level, you stop being my dad. Mm-hmm. You're just a dude talking bad about my mom or, or you know, just a, a, a woman talking poorly about my, my father. Parents do it for two kind of polarized reasons. One reason that parents do that, speak negatively about the other parent is when they feel a close alignment with the child mm-hmm. and they're, and they're trying to strength, you know, and make that inflate that. And, and, and so I feel very aligned with this child so I can speak poorly about her mother. Or the other reason that a parent would do that is when they don't feel aligned with a child and they're trying to create an alliance mm-hmm. of teaming up. Yeah. Let me tell me all, let me tell you all the bad things about your father so that we can be more aligned. Mm-hmm. And it's just a mistake. That's not how you create alignment. And again, this idea of fast forward and look back, when we talk to 20 and 30 and 40-somethings about their parents getting divorced, if they spoke poorly of each other, we hear about it. Mm-hmm. It is never a plus. It is never a positive. It is never a win. It may feel, I can only imagine how upset you are with the other, you know, the person that you're divorcing. And I, I can completely get that. And this, the, the grand satisfaction that you must derive in that mm-hmm. moment from saying, let me tell you what he did, or let me tell you how she behaved. And it's just, it, it's, it's just not a winner. It's mm-hmm. just not, it will cost you. It will cost you in your relationship with your child, no matter how good that feels at that moment, no matter how justified it seems, or or maybe even is, and and, and you know, if you broke some of those things down and said, yeah, that's completely, that's a true statement, that's legitimate, that's why this or or, or that happened, is completely irrelevant, and that's how parents defend it. Mm-hmm. To me, they they say, well, that's true, he really did that, to which I say, I know, but that's not what your child needs to hear from you. Yeah. They have a right to know why their home right. is being broken up. Right, right. And, and, yeah. and well, wait a minute. Why, well, on, on a whole nother level, why are the rules changing? Mm-hmm. You would have never discussed your finances mm-hmm. with your 12-year-old before this divorce. Why, why now? The rules can't change in, you know, in those kind of boundaries and what's appropriate mm-hmm. just because you got divorced. And the bigger point is you're now speaking poorly of your father and it's just not going to win you any points. Feels good at the moment. Feels justified. I get it, but it's a mistake. I had a situation one time that I thought was kind of illustrative of some of the. This was an extreme case, of course, but what would happen is that the children would start complaining about one parent, and they would complain about it to the other parent, and then it would get so bad that they would 
move in with that parent. They would stop the contact with the other parent. Okay. And then it would flip the other way. So then they would start complaining about that parent. And then the other parent would be, you know, you poor baby. And then they move back there to the exclusion of the other parent. And it literally flip-flopped four times as they just both beat each other up, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and it was the most sort of horrifying thing to witness over like a six-year period of just this constantly calling me to modify the custody order, right. you know, because now this kid wasn't going to go to this parent's house. And it just kept happening. And and it was so surreal to realize that they absolutely didn't see the hand that they played mm-hmm. in this ping pong game for their children's lives. And, and it was... It was just a really sad example of how far the aligning yourself with the negative energy that a child has and kind of jumping on it when one child's maybe upset with the decision the other parent made and like taking that as your opportunity to be like, see, see, right, I right. was right. Yeah. You know, and, and you I, agree I, they're a terrible person. Right. Yeah. And <laughs> it I don't, I don't, keeps going. obviously I don't know that case, but I, I can only guess that the, the, the seeds of, of that internal family mm-hmm. culture were, were sown by talking bad about each other mm-hmm. from right from go you would think exactly and i know that's an extreme example but i don't know that that's i mean i think that happens more than we think yeah yeah and um i you know i used to caution clients sometimes when they would be getting into that i said be careful because it's going to come back around yeah you know if you if they can't respect either parent then they're really going to be completely undisciplined you know if you've basically run the other one down to where they, they don't need to listen to that parent, don't mm-hmm. have to respect that parent, and then they're doing the same thing to you. Basically, what you have is a child of a certain age who basically doesn't respect adults or certainly doesn't respect the people who are supposed to be taking care of them. Right. right. And, and you um, just handed them this loaded gun to do it yeah. as, they, as they wish. I know. Well, you know, it's so fraught with anxiety and it's so emotional at the time. And I know it's when you're not going through it, it's easy to, to set up the rules and say to do better. But but it's not that complicated either if people really think about it and just mm-hmm. exercise some some self-restraint. And their kids are going to be so much better for it. Right. If people want to follow up with you or perhaps think that you might be able to uh, have some personal coaching sessions with them or with their children, you know, I've told everybody where you work, but where would they find you? We're easy to find on the web, southeastpsych.com. And our office number is 704-552-0116. And you have offices in South Park, in Ballantyne, in Tennessee, and in New Zealand. New Zealand. Yeah. Well, if this podcast <laughs> gets to New Zealand, I want you to let me know we if had, that's where people hear from you and they say, yes, we had it one was of our podcast. folks whose husband is uh, a physician and he went over on a, on a swap and they stayed. So. Wow. She is now opening Southeast Psych New Zealand. <laughs> well, that is going to be an interesting addition to your website. Going international. Well, we appreciate you coming, and we hope that you'll come back because I think there's so much more we can explore about this topic. Would um, love to. For parents that want to be great parents during this time. Good, good. Thanks again. So there you have it. Another neighborhood of Splitsville explored. There's still so much to learn here. So I hope you'll tune in to the next episode. While Splitsville is not a fun place to be, thankfully it is full of helpful people, valuable resources, and sound advice if you know where to look. See you next time.
The insights and views presented in Welcome to Splitsville are for general information purposes only and should not be taken as legal advice for any individual case or situation. Nor does tuning into this podcast constitute an attorney-client relationship of any kind. If you're ready for compassionate and reliable legal guidance on your journey, contact Lee Sellers and her team at www.touchstonefamilylaw.com.